You suddenly wake up trapped in a dark room. Your only source of light is a candle. There are two doors in front of you. Behind one of them, there's a tunnel that will lead you outside to freedom. Behind the other, just a cold brick wall. You have a key that will open only one of the doors, and you can try it just once. So how do you know which door to try? Hold the candle up to each keyhole. The flame will move near the door that leads outside. You escape to freedom, but you need to send some important documents to your friend Beth. You can't mail them in a regular package because the precious papers will get stolen. So you put them in a box and lock it. But Beth doesn't have the key to this lock. How can you send the papers if you can't send the key to the lock separately? First, send the lock box to Beth. She'll attach her own lock and send the box back to you. Then, remove your own lock and send the package again. Beth can then remove her lock and finally open the package. Bad news! You get a call one morning from Beth. She says the crucial documents were stolen from her office. They'd been on the desk the evening before, but are nowhere to be found this morning. You immediately go there to question the employees. In no time, you gather three suspects. Sean said he had been at the movies last night. Michael had taken his girlfriend to an amusement park. And Christina was at a prestigious art gallery. Who's lying? John, his movie ticket isn't torn. Having been caught red-handed, Sean makes a break for it. He hops in his car and drives away. Law enforcement are on the lookout. Sean sees a police car right ahead of him and starts driving toward it. Why would he do that? He was on a bridge. He needed to go toward the patrol car to get to the other side and make his escape. No such luck for poor Sean. He gets caught and locked up. But he starts hearing rumors of an inmate planning to break out. The guards have two suspects. First, a quiet bookworm who spends most of his days with his nose buried in sci-fi novels. The second, a big, burly, tattooed guy who's always working out. Who should Sean become friends with if he wants to get out of here? The bookworm. Look closer, and you'll see his bookmark is actually a file. On Friday afternoon, the owner of that same prestigious art gallery discovered that four of the most famous artist self-portraits had been stolen during an exhibition. The police show up to do an investigation, and now they have three suspects. Sarah, the artist, said she disappeared into one of the studios to paint. 
John, the security guard, explained he was just waiting outside and had no idea the portraits were gone. Daniel, the caterer, stated he was at a nearby store picking up extra napkins when the robbery took place. So, who's the thief? It's the security guard. He couldn't have known the stolen paintings were portraits if he was standing outside. As fate would have it, there was another incident that night. Michael, who never really liked what passed for art in modern times, rushed into the gallery and caused millions of dollars worth of damage to several paintings. Yet the gallery's owner thanked him for his actions. How come? Michael is a firefighter. The water from his hose damaged several masterpieces, but he still managed to extinguish the fire and save many more works. They awarded Michael a big check in gratitude. He heads home just in time to get his five kids all packed up for a camping trip that weekend. Mike and his wife are really looking forward to having the weekend for themselves to relax. But when they woke up on Saturday, they discovered the check was missing from their safe. Once the officer showed up, they interviewed the three people who were in the house that morning. The chef said he was in the kitchen getting school lunches packed. The cleaner said he finished cleaning quickly that day and left early. The butler had just gotten back after taking the kids to camp three hours away. Who's lying? It's the chef. It's Saturday, so there's no school, and the kids have gone camping. Meanwhile, on the other side of town, a scientist is working on something bizarre. He invites Kevin and Claire as blind test subjects for his new serum invention. He gives them each a glass of ice-cold lemonade. Kevin drinks his fast, but Claire apprehensively waits to see the side effects on him first. After two hours, nothing happens. So she drinks her glass. Two minutes later, her skin turns green. If both the drinks had the serum, why was only Claire affected? The serum was in the ice. Since Kevin drank his fast, none of it got in the lemonade. Claire runs out of the lab in horror. She gets in her car and speeds off. As she's driving down a long, empty road, one of her tires pops off. Good thing she has a spare in the trunk. But here's the problem. She now has no lug nuts to put the spare on with. So what should Claire do? Unscrew one lug nut from each of the other three wheels and use them to attach the spare tire. It'll be enough to get to the nearest garage safely. As Claire is putting on her spare tire, the scientist catches up to her. He hands her four pills and tells her it's a complex cure to the green face serum. Two of the pills are an antidote, and the other two are a catalyst that activates it. Claire must take one of each type together. 
if she takes two of the same, her face will stay green forever. Just as the scientist is handing her the pills, he trips and they get all mixed up. They look identical. What should Claire do? Grind the tablets up, mix all the powder together, and divide it in two parts. Each half will have the same amount of catalyst and antidote. It worked! And just in time! Whew. The next day, Claire has a big calculus exam. But funny enough, all the students in the class refuse to take it. Professor Miller can expel only one student for skipping the test. All of them know each other's names. If a student knows they'll be expelled, they agree to take the test. How can the professor make all the students take it? She should tell them she'll expel the student whose name comes first alphabetically. Then this person won't skip the test. The next person on the list won't skip either, and so on until the end of the list. The next day, class isn't any easier. Professor Miller grabs her cup of coffee, takes a sip, goes to set it down, and what's this? It's stuck to her hand! Somebody put glue on the cup, and she's got three suspects. Look carefully to find out which student is playing tricks on the professor. Sure, the first student has an awfully guilt-ridden look on his face. And the second student's smile looks just like pride for a job well done. But look closer at the third student's pocket. Yep, it's the tip of a glue bottle. Professor Miller is so annoyed by her class's shenanigans, she decides to change her career. Wow. She opens a shoe factory. She's so successful that she builds a second one in another city. But despite her success, the problems don't end. Her employees keep secretly taking shoes from the plant. What can she do to resolve the issue? Have one of her factories start making only left shoes and the other only right ones. One of those shoe swipers is driving a semi-truck full of shoes to sell for a profit. He comes to a tunnel and there's a major problem. His truck is just an inch too tall. But he can still drive through the tunnel. How? Let some of the air out of the tires. It'll lower the truck just enough. When the shoe swiper gets through the tunnel, he comes to a fork in the road. One goes to the town, the other to never-ending wilderness. There are guides standing at each. The catch? One always tells the truth, the other always lies. The driver doesn't know who's who, and he's only allowed one question. What should he ask to find out which road goes to town? Ask either one of the guides which road the other would say is the right way. Then he must choose the opposite. The truth-teller knows the other will lie, so they'll point the driver toward the road to nowhere. If he asks the liar, they'll know the other guard would honestly point him toward the town. So they'll, again, recommend the road to nowhere. The shoe thief takes the road to town, 
but he has another puzzle to answer before he's allowed to enter. The guard at the gate asks him one simple question. What's the logic in the order of the following words? Fun, blue, bee, more, and dive. Every word rhymes with its number on the list. Fun 1, blue 2, B3, and so on. The shoe swiper finally settles down in this new town. Too bad for him, he can only use a payphone to make calls. One day, the phone breaks. He informs the phone company, but they do nothing. He tries again the next day. Same result. The third time, he finally gets them to come out and fix the phone. So, what did he say? He claimed that people were making calls without paying. A wet mystery. Mother and father living in the north of Canada went shopping, leaving their teenage son home. He said he wanted to mount his new TV on the wall. They were halfway to the mall when mother remembered she'd left the iron plugged in. They returned and found the house freezing cold. Mother turned on central heating again, and they left for good. When they came back after a while, there was water dripping from the ceiling on the first floor, and on the second, their son was lying unconscious in a pool of water on the floor, and the TV was hanging on the wall askew. Can you guess what happened? The young man hauled a big chunk of ice upstairs to stand on it while he mounted the TV. He turned off the heat for the ice to stay frozen. But when his mom turned it on again, the chunk melted and the boy slipped and fell. A code number. A detective who had been mere days away from cracking an international criminal gang has suddenly gone missing. But he was smart enough to try and help the investigators in their search by leaving one clue. More specifically, a special code. 710-577-3534-5508-517718. The police have three prime suspects, John, Bill, and Adam. Can you break the detective's code and help the police arrest the right criminal? The numbers in the detective's code represent letters. If you read the message upside down, you'll notice that it says, Bill is boss. He sells oil. So, Bill's your guy. Cuffin' boys. A lousy alibi. A man had been strolling through the park when someone suddenly hit him on the back of the head. Witnesses say the culprit had brown hair, blue eyes, and was wearing a baggy suit. The main suspect is Sean Baker, who matches the description perfectly. The police interrogate Sean, who gives his account of what happened. I was just hanging out in the park, and I saw this man walking along the pathway. Then some other guy suddenly sprang out of the shrubs right in front of him and hit him. I ran home as fast as I could. The police ask him to give a description of the attacker. He answers, he had a red mustache, red hair, and a baggy suit on. 
However, one of the investigators says Sean is lying. How does he know? Sean claims that the attacker came up in front of the man, but that's complete nonsense. The man had been hit on the back of his head. Strange noises. Amy and Carl were lying in bed at night when they heard weird noises from their daughter Stacy's bedroom. Amy went to see and carefully opened the door, but saw her teenage daughter fast asleep and the noise stopped. The next night, it all happened again, and in the morning, Amy found a snakeskin lying under Emily's bed. Alarmed, the family searched the whole house but couldn't find the snake that left it. Still, the sound persisted every night. Can you guess where the snake was hiding? It was in the walls. At night, when it was quiet, the snake would crawl out in the open. But when everyone woke up again, it hid inside the pipes and between the boards. A careless granddaughter Sally went to the drugstore to get some meds for her grandma. The pharmacist looked at the prescription and handed her four identical pills, two for pressure and another two for her legs. He warned Sally that grandma should take one of each kind a few hours before bedtime. The girl nodded and dropped the pills into her bag. As she got home, Sally realized what she did wrong. There were four completely identical pills in her bag, all mixed up. But when it was time for Grandma to take the pills, Sally figured a way out. What did she do? The only way out of this situation is to split all the pills in half and take one half of each pill. This way, Grandma will definitely get the right meds. The Chicken Matter Sally's grandma, yep, that same one, got three hens that gave her three eggs in three days. When Sally found this out, she decided selling eggs could be a good business. So she got her grandma 12 more hens of the same kind. Sally can't wait to get her profit. Who wouldn't be? But she's not that great at math. Can you help her figure out how many eggs grandma will get in the next 15 days? Three hens brought grandma three eggs in three days. It means one hen brings one egg once in three days. So it'll give five eggs in 15 days. Now that we've got 15 hens, we can easily multiply the numbers and get 75 eggs in 15 days. A window to freedom. Jack is thrown in a cell with a dirt floor and only one window positioned so high no one could reach it. The cell is empty except for a shovel. It's dry and hot in there, but Jack won't get any food or drink anytime soon. He has only two days to break out of his cell. Digging a tunnel would take at least a week. How should Jack escape? He should use the shovel to make a pile of dirt under the window, 
climb on it, and escape from the cell. Seriously, who secures prisoners this way? Back to school On the first day of the school year, a geography teacher vanished. The police had as many as four suspects. They were the gardener, the math teacher, the coach, and the school principal. The sticking point was that they all had alibis. The gardener was cutting bushes. The math teacher was holding a mid-year test. The coach was playing basketball. The principal was in the office with parents of one of the students. Despite this, the culprit was arrested immediately. Can you guess how the police solved the mystery? The math teacher was lying. According to his words, he was holding a mid-year test, but the geography teacher disappeared on the first day of the school year. Late Delivery A lonely old man lived in his house in the suburbs of a city. He led a quiet life and never left his dwelling for long. It was a midsummer Friday when the mail carrier walked by and called out for the man. There was no answer coming from inside the house. The carrier looked into the window and, oh no! He saw the house was a total mess, and the owner was nowhere to be seen. When the police arrived, they found a Tuesday's newspaper, two bottles of warm milk, and one bottle of cold milk. The next day, the robber was arrested. How did the police find out who it was so quickly? It was obviously the mail carrier. He knew that no one in that house would read a newspaper on Wednesday or Thursday. That's why he only came on Friday. There's chemistry between them. A famous chemist went missing. There was no evidence found except for a piece of paper with the names of chemical substances on it. On the day he disappeared, the chemist had only three visitors. His wife, Mary his nephew, Nicholas, and his friend, Jonathan. The police looked at the note and arrested the culprit right away. Who was it, and how did they find it out? It was Nicholas, the chemist's nephew. If you combine the short names of the chemical substances on the paper, you'll get his name. N-I-C-O-L-A-S An untouchable car A man was found unconscious in his own car. The police found a rock near the man, and it was obvious he had been hit on the head with it. But the car windows were intact, and the door was locked. How could someone throw a rock into the car without damaging it? The car was a convertible, and when the rock was thrown, the roof had been down. A public collapse One city was having a rough patch. Its schools, hotels, and public transport weren't functioning because of a strike that had already lasted for several weeks. One night, someone hit the mayor of the city over the head. The man was rushed to a hospital, and the police arrested three suspects. 
Brandon stated that he had been walking along the street when he heard someone scream, but it was too dark and he couldn't see anything. John confirmed that he had heard a call for help as well, but he was too scared to check it out. As for Dylan, he claimed that he had been waiting for a bus at a bus stop and hadn't heard anything. Who attacked the mayor? It was Dylan. He couldn't be waiting for a bus since they hadn't been running for several weeks because of the strike.